0: You know, uh, several years ago, there was a, a gentleman who realized something very powerful. He realized uh, a powerful thing happens when we become neighbors with those around us. He realized that there's something very unique that happens to the human spirit when we embrace what it means to connect with the person who is around us every day, who lives next door to us, etc., uh, etc. And as a matter of fact, he wrote a song to describe it, and I want to read you some of those lyrics. Uh, the, re- the lyrics read like this. It says this, "I have always wanted to have a neighbor just like you. I've always wanted to live in a neighborhood with you." So let's make the most of this beautiful day. Since we're together, we might as well say, "Would you be mine? Could you be mine? Won't you be my neighbor?" Or maybe the lyrics that you're more familiar with start off like this: "It's a beautiful day in this neighborhood, a beautiful day for a neighbor. Would you be mine? Could you be mine?" You might really recognize it if I put on a red cardigan and I tie my shoes and uh, you know throw them up in the air and catch them uh, so so delicately and, and nicely. But that man, Fred Rogers, realized years ago that if he could inspire in the hearts and minds of children, not just a principle that was. Sounded good to be nice to one another, but a biblical principle that he carried in inside of himself that if we could get people to realize That everybody around us is our neighbor and to treat one another like our neighbor. It would change the world And Fred is not the first person to realize that there came a man about 2,000 years ago who also taught this and began to uh, give this to his people named Jesus I loved the thing that Mr. Rogers said, he says this, he says, neighbors are people who live close to each other. Neighbors look at each other, they talk to each other, they listen to each other, and that's how they get to know each other. He understood that, and I loved uh, the, reading the story of his life recently and understanding a little bit more about you, uh, but this, about uh, neighbors, and so this morning, that's what I want to talk to you about today. I want to talk to you about the people next door. The people next door. Now as I begin to say that, many of you have already conceived images of your neighbors in your mind. Some of them may be pleasant, some maybe not so pleasant. But today we're going to talk about our neighbors. The people who literally live next door to us. The people who are literally beside us every day. And I want to take you to Matthew chapter 22. Jesus taught the disciples... A powerful commandment from the Word of God. He taught them something very uh, just, really it was radical. And it was so clever the way he did it. The Pharisees would come at Jesus and they would try to find him a way to put him in a trap many times. But Jesus discovered that uh, the Word of God was powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. And so that's what he would go back to. The Bible says in Matthew 22 and verse 34 that when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. He said, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment, and second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And on these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. I like how some other translations take that word depend there and they put on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets i mean take take it this way you see these first two commandments uh, love the lord your god and love your neighbor as yourself and then every other commandment it's like an ornament upon that tree it's everything is hanging upon those foundational words the apostle paul would uh, elaborate a little bit more upon this in galatians chapter 5 and he would say that the entire law is summed up in a single command love your neighbor as yourself Loving our neighbor, Jesus says, is second to the first commandment of loving God with all of our heart. It is just it is almost he says, just as important. It is a part of who we are. It's, it's what God has called us to do is to love our neighbor as ourself. And you know. When you think about the term neighbor, you can actually go back way in the early books of the Old Testament and read how there was laws and commandments about being neighbors. And the the concept of a neighbor is really an ancient tradition. It is not something new. It is not a suburbia America kind of concept. It is a tradition that goes way back into ancient times. And you know, I want you to this morning to kind of think about your neighbors for a minute. Literally, the people that you live beside, the people that you are around every day. Uh, One commentator has uh, said this, that he talks about uh, our neighbors. And he says it's so easy to draw negative conclusions about our neighbors based upon the outlying factors that describe them. Maybe it's an unkempt yard. Maybe it's a car that's been par- parked on the street forever. Maybe it's uh, some loud music. Maybe it's a, a rowdy children in, uh, running through the streets. Maybe, whatever it is, there's things that tend to uh, describe our neighbors that we almost instantly draw negative conclusions about them without really knowing who they ever are. Uh, it's, it's, the, it's the things about them that we kind of stand back and look Uh, that's strange, that's odd, that's different. And so this morning we have to go ahead and make this one big conclusion that we can all be agree on the same page is that people are strange and you and I are people. People are strange and you and I are people. That's just the truth of it, right? We see people. We, we all have our quirks. We all have the things that make us unique and different. And, and I think even Jesus understood that as he was t- talking to people and telling them, you got to get past the things that you see on the outside and begin to realize that there's something more to about being a neighbor. A, a group of pastors met together some time ago, and they had this discussion with uh, this, it was this group of pastors from all over their community, and they got together uh, with their uh, mayor, actually, and they began to have this conversation to say, what could we do to help our city? What could we do as churches that come together and and begin to uh, unite together? And you know, that mayor actually said something to all of those pastors that started a movement in that city. And he said, you know, if we could just get our city to realize and begin to treat each other like great neighbors that would solve a lot of issues in the city. And those pastors walked away from that meeting with that idea and they began to do something that was absolutely radical. They began to find extreme ways to treat people like their neighbors. What if the solution to our society's biggest issues has been right under our nose for 2,000 years? Loving our neighbor as ourselves? A lot of us, we love ourselves, right? We go in the morning, we look in the mirror, we we make sure there's nothing that looks bad, and we touch ourselves up, and we make sure that we look good and smell good, and all the above, right? But what if we loved our neighbors? I hope you don't go around putting makeup on your neighbors, but you get the point, right? What if we loved our neighbors with that kind of care and compassion, in the sense that we looked at our neighbor and said, I see me, and I want to help them, I want to care for them. The people next door are people we've got to learn how to love. It's the people that we've got to learn to embrace. Oftentimes when we talk about this second commandment of loving our neighbor as ourselves, we tend to overgeneralize who our neighbor is and it causes us to bypass our actual neighbors who are right beside us. We, t- we say to ourselves, everybody's my neighbor, but we forget sometimes that when we say that, that we actually forget about the people who literally live next door to us. I believe it was State Farm who coined the business slogan that like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. I wonder why they said that. Because they realized that if they could get in the people's minds that we are good neighbors, then it would give people a sense of trust in their business. And really this is a biblical concept that was meant to come into the church to radically spread the gospel all over the world. That if we could realize what it meant to love our neighbor as ourselves, it could change the scope of how the gospel is shared. We have often uh, sometimes minimized evangelism to sharing, people, sharing somebody a track or kind of having this uh, conversation that is impersonal in a nature. But what if we really made people our focus? What if we really made our neighbors our focus? What if, what if we really got in our hearts and our minds to embrace the people who live next door? What if we learned their names? What if we learned more about them than just the cars they drive? What if we learned more about them that said, I want to know your life because of who God called me to be? What if? Now, I want you to know today that I'm talking to this guy up here because I realized as I was preparing today and putting uh, this together that a lot of my neighbors I know by the dog they have and the car they have, but I don't know the name they have. And I realized that if we're gonna change the world for the kingdom of God, it's gonna come when we realize, then we begin to embrace the people around us. And so I wanna to talk to you a little bit more about uh, the people next door and what does it biblically mean to be someone's neighbor? And so we're gonna look at another scripture in Luke chapter 6 that Jesus teaches. That he actually begins to instruct something a little bit strange and different once again in this culture that he's in. And in Luke chapter 6 and verse 27, uh, he says, Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. To one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from the one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you, and from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, so do so to them. This is called the golden rule. And if it's very unique that if you go and observe every other religion in the world, it seem, they seem to have a golden rule that also stems from this similar teaching. I think the Bible inspired a lot of other people, whether they like to acknowledge it or not. If you love those who love you, But love your enemies, and do good, and lend, expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great, and you will be the sons of the Most High. For he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Now, how many of you, when we read that here today, he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil, that kind of just doesn't settle too well to you. You think, I know some ungrateful people. They're living right next door to me. And what? God is kind to them? No, that, that changes things. Be merciful even as your Father is merciful. Uh, this scripture really is the basis of what it means to be a biblical neighbor. And I want to point, pull out two things from here today to show you about uh, loving uh, the, our neighbors and being a person that God has called us to be. Uh, number one, I want you to see that this scripture instructs us to love because that's who God is. That's who God is. We love because that's who God is. God Jesus here is instructing them to love their enemies. Why is Jesus instructing them to love their enemies? Why is Jesus instructing them to be kind to the people next door to them? Why is Jesus going to these great lengths to try to let them know that it is the people next door that he is merciful and kind to? Why is Jesus doing that? Because that is who he is. It is his nature. You can't separate uh, that apart from God. If you were to separate God is love, if you were to separate that away from God, he would no longer be God. He is a loving God, and that's not just an adjective to describe him, it's actually who he is. It's actually a part of his makeup, the way that he is, uh, uh, the being that he is. You know, I want to kind of just go back and expand upon a little bit that why here at All Nations Church we have made it such a part of our identity and heart to serve those in our community who are low income or maybe homeless on the peninsula. Why do we do that? We don't do it just to provide food. We don't do it to just, uh, just because. We don't do it just because it makes us look good. That's the wrong motives. We genuinely care that people are taken care of. We genuinely want to see uh, needs met in our community. This is a basic human need that every person needs. That is a basic human need, right? Every person deserves to have a meal. Nobody should be denied that. Every person deserves that. We also hope and pray that as we serve our community, that they may experience the love of God by us being good neighbors, by us loving them and caring for them. I love to this one quote that I want to share with you today that it's really pivotal, and if we will learn to embrace this, it will change the way we do ministry. He said this: that "We don't love our neighbors to convert them. We love our neighbors because we are converted. We don't love our neighbors to convert them. We love our neighbors because we are converted." That's powerful. If we'll learn to realize that we are called to serve those around us, to uh, love those who maybe are not getting taken care of in our community, then if we'll realize to do that because that is who Jesus is, and so therefore that's who we are, it will change the way we do ministry. Because once again, remember, God is not concerned so much with what we do, but why we do it. What's the motive behind it? How are we doing it? Why are we doing it in our hearts? the, The call from Jesus, Jesus was to love our neighbors as ourselves. Jesus did not add a because or but that was behind it. It was simply to spread his goodness into the world. It was simply to shine a light into a world that is full of darkness. See, by nature, when we love our community... When we do acts of kindness, when we do things that are radical and different and going upstream from the world, it leaves an impression that something is different about that community of faith. It shows them that that it is uh, the God whom we serve because God is love. See, biblical neighboring is when we learn to love, serve, and give because Jesus instructed us to do so and not expecting anything in return, just like Luke chapter 6 said. The problem is, is that sometimes we live in this kind of investment society. We live in this society that our invest in return society that has caused us to forfeit the development of many meaningful relationships with the people around us because we could not see the return on the investment. But what, happened, what would happen to our world if we as the church just simply gave without worrying about an investment, without worrying about getting anything back, if we just learned to give because that's who God called us to be, a people who give away. You see, in the kingdom of God, investing adds value to the kingdom of God, not to ourselves. And that's where it's difficult for us because we are naturally a selfish people. We want it to benefit us. But in the kingdom of God, when we invest in our community, when we give, when we serve our neighbors, when we love the people around us, we're not going to get anything back. But you know who is? The kingdom of God. It's going to add value to God's kingdom. And that's what we've been called to do, is to add value to the kingdom. Luke chapter 6 also instructs us another principle. We love because that's who God is, but we also love even when it's difficult. Now, how many of you know it's hard to love difficult people? It's hard to love your enemies. It's hard to love somebody who turns, uh, uh, turns their back on you. It's hard to do that. It is hard. And Jesus understood that and he knew that. And that's why he began to teach them to ask this question. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? Jesus was trying to get them to realize that there is value in loving your enemies. There is value in it because it is literally changing the nature of who we are. We become, when we love those who love, we, uh, that love us, we become this people that are reciprocal. We're always expecting something in return. But if we love to learn our enemies, we begin to become the people that learn to love just because. That's who God is. You love even when it's difficult. You love people who are strange You love people, our neighbors, who are hard to get along with. We love them regardless. We love them. 2 Timothy gives us some meaningful words that are powerful when we're learning to talk about developing relationships with our neighbors. He says this, that don't have anything to do with foolish and ignorant arguments because you know that they produce quarrels. That's the Word of God. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome but must be kind to everyone, able to teach, and not resentful. What would happen if we made that our mindset in developing relationships with everyone? That might mean that we might have to bite our tongue a little bit more. That might mean we have to swallow our pride a little bit more. But what would happen if we made it our heart to say, I'm not going to get in an argument with my neighbor. I'm not going to try to get in this, this thing that leads to nowhere. I'm going to talk to them in a way that can show them uh, the love and care that they so deserve because God loves them. Paul said this thing that is so powerful when we're talking about developing relationships with the people around us. And it's something that missionaries are trained with, but I believe it would do us well in 21st century America to learn as well. Paul said this, I have become all things to all men. Why did Paul say that? Why did he say, I have become all things to all men? He wasn't talking about that he was some, this metamorphous creature that constantly changed. And No, what he meant was that he, he, in order to become all things to all men, it means that you lay aside the things that you identify with, that identify you, that are necessarily relating to you, in order to find a point of relation to another person. I think it's also called common ground. It's in the sense of saying, yes, there's a lot of things about me I would love for you to know. But today I want to find the thing that is relatable between us. I want to look for the point that we can connect and begin to build a relationship with. You find common ground and you rise to it. You know, for me, one of the most rewarding things about cross-cultural ministry, when I have lived in other countries, when I've visited another country, is when I get mistaken as a local. That is, to me, is the most rewarding thing. There is nothing like walking through the streets of South America and they think I'm a native Paraguayan. I thought that was the best compliment anybody could ever give me. As white as I may be, they still thought I was. I thought that was crazy. Uh, being able to relate to a culture is what gives us the, uh, the edge to share the gospel. Because there's a point of trust. There's a bridge that's built. There's this, this way of being able to connect. I remember when I was in Russia and I was on the airplane and I was mistaken as Russian and people would try to have conversations with me over and over again. In my mind, I had no clue what they were saying. But I thought, yes, Lord, this is what you've called us to do, is to embody the gospel, to become all things to all men in order that we may share the gospel. Ultimately, all of this to say this, is that the people next door, they were... God's mission when He came to the earth, and they are still God's mission today. You see, the focus of the mission of God is people. The fo- The focus of the mission of God is people. And so often we forget that sometimes in church ministry. We think that the focus of the mission God is just to have church, is to just... Uh, Just to do because, to have programs and all of these things. But the focus of the mission of God is people. Let's go back to a verse that is very elementary to most believers. John 3.16 For God so loved who? The world. For God so loved the world. You see that word right there? For God so loved the world. That is, if you remember English grammar... That is the direct object of that sentence. That means that it's receiving the action. For God so loved the world. That means that it was the intended. The subject was intended to give the action to that means. And so therefore, the focus of the mission of God is people, the world. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. You see, people are the focus of Jesus' ministry. And likewise, people are the mission of the church. It is often the case that our vision can become distorted in the church sometimes by troublesome things that are happening around us, personal life struggles and selfish ambitions that we forget sometimes that the mission is people, that we forget that we've been called. But what would happen if we all left here today myself included, and we literally put the words of Jesus to practice and went to the person next door and began to love our neighbor as ourselves. What if we didn't make assumptions about our neighbors based upon the way their yard looks or the car they drive or the way their kids misbehave or the way they play music too loud, etc., etc., and truly embraced our neighbor as ourself? What would happen if we made people our focus like Jesus did? Loving people. Not just the people we choose to love as our neighbors, but literally the person next door. I'm going to ask the musicians to come. All of this to say that the focus is people. Yes, we're called to be in relationship with God. And yes, we're called to abide with Him daily. But the mission, we must not forget the mission, is people now let's go back to what we talked about in the beginning is that people are strange but you and I are people it's hard sometimes to love people and all of us have our stories we have our stories of the people we encounter in the grocery stores that are rude to us or difficult to us we all have those stories we do and Jesus knew that And this is why He began to instruct them to love their enemies, expecting nothing in return. Because He realized that what would truly change the world is when you give somebody something that they're not expecting. When you give somebody love that's not expecting love. When you give somebody a warm embrace that's not expecting a warm embrace. This is exactly what Jesus did. As he would walk through the streets, he would treat people as he loved himself, so to speak. He would encounter people on the streets and he would begin to give them love. There was no explanation. There was no reason why that person was necessarily chosen. But he would begin to heal their illnesses, their sicknesses, and begin to demonstrate what would happen if we loved our our neighbor as ourselves think about it this way the whole ministry of jesus the whole church was born out of a god who began to come down to earth and show us what it meant to love our neighbor as ourselves the whole reason that we do the things that we're called here to do at this local church is because we realize that we have to learn to love our neighbor as ourselves You know, this is sort of a challenge, really, to us. It's how a question that I've been so reflecting upon lately is how do we share the gospel today in a society where everybody is six feet apart, wearing a mask, and shut inside their home? How do you share the gospel in that culture? How do you tell the person that is near you that you love them, that you want to embrace them, that you care for them? You know, it's hard to think of ways that we could do maybe big uh, feats of love and kindness in this culture today. But what if we started with our neighbors? Not just the people that we overgeneralize and we say are around us, but what if we literally started with our neighbor and we loved our neighbor as ourself? They say that sometimes the best way into someone's home is through a little food. Maybe that's how we do it. I don't know. But what would happen if we became neighbors like Jesus was. As I thought about this idea of becoming a neighbor, I thought about how Jesus was so quickly to become a neighbor with someone. He would just be with someone and immediately develop a relationship with them and become their neighbor. But I thought in one of the most uh, painful situations, the most painful situation Jesus was in, when His life was being poured out as He was hanging there upon the cross, even so, when He was upon the cross and blood was shedding from Him and He was dying there upon the cross, He still became a neighbor. As He looked over to the person to Him and saw, and they saw His pain and they saw His suffering. And Jesus, that, that, that thief upon the cross beside Him said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus, the good neighbor that He was, says, today you will be with me in paradise. We must not forget that Jesus came to earth to love people and to show us how to love people so that we might become His people. Don't you want to be a better neighbor? I do. I want to see this world overcome with evil, with good. Kindness triumphs evil every time, every time in the kingdom of God. And what if we started here today? Learn to love our neighbors. I want to invite you to stand with me. We're going to have a time of prayer. We're going to pray for some specific people today. I want you today, first off, if you don't know the Lord, you've never made a relationship with Him. He's a great neighbor. He wants to love you as He loves Himself, to embrace you, to care for you, to love you, begin a life with Him. And then today we're going to pray for our neighbors. I don't know their names, but you do, the people that you live beside, people that you see often. Maybe you know their name, maybe you don't. But what if we began to pray for them and say, God, I don't know them very well. I don't even see them that well. What if, God, you came and somehow built a relationship there? What would happen? I don't want the person living next door to me to miss out on the joy that I have, the hope that I have. But what if we prayed for them? God, let them experience your love. So would you join me today as we pray, for the people next door to us, as we pray for you and I and our love for one another. God, this morning we humble ourselves. Father, first, today, we apologize, Lord, to you. For, Lord, sometimes how we have forgot to love our neighbor as ourself, Lord. God, I'm guilty. We're all guilty. Sometimes, Lord, we've looked right past the people who are living next door to us. People who are in pain, people who are struggling, people who are having a hard time. But, Lord, help us today to make people our focus again. Lord, help us to not get caught up in our own world sometimes that we forget to love our neighbors. God, help us today to begin to embrace the people around us, Lord, as you love them. God, help us to begin to embrace the people around us so that they might experience the same joy and hope that we have. God, let us not just build relationships to just take advantage of the people around us, but help us to genuinely love them like you love them, Lord, to genuinely embrace them. And, Lord, today I want to pray for those who are watching today that they don't know you, Father. They've never began a relationship with you. May they see how you love us. May they know that God so loved the world, that you love people. You truly love people that we might come into relationship with you today. God, we thank you, Father. God, we're praying here today. God, I don't want just another sermon, just another Sunday to pass by. But today, in our pandemic culture, where people are so distant and far apart, and it's harder to communicate with people around us than before, may this, God, get into our hearts, starting with me, Lord, that this may change our community. God, let there be a sweep of your goodness in the land as we begin to love our neighbors as ourselves. God, I pray that true prayers would begin to arise from this place today that is really concerned about our neighborhoods, loving them and embracing them. God, I pray, give us a fresh baptism of your love today. Lord, we thank you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Can you join us today as we sing and worship the Lord together.